Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business podcast, where we talk to interesting people about life and business. We cover their backgrounds, obstacles they've encountered, and find out what drives them. Along the way, our guests share nuggets you can use to drive your success. Reach me directly, D-A-M-O-N at ExitYourWay.us, or check out our website, ExitYourWay.us, for more information. I hope you enjoy our show. All right, everyone, welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Postalka, and with me today, I got Rich Reif from Industrial Media, right? That's correct. That's where I'm from. I always, always want to ask because I get nervous when I'm introducing people and I want to make sure. But man, I because I am doubly nervous today because you are like a legend in industrial <laughs> media and B2B media. And I, I just I know you giggle about that and you laugh and you were, you were giggling when we got in started. But man, it's it's just an honor to have you on today, man. Oh, thank you for that. For the kind words. It's, it's, it's really cool because when you sent me your bio and some other things, I, there's just a few things that rang out in here. Um, and I'm, we're going to talk about these a little more in detail, but you said one thing, it was branding is important, but sales leads are critical. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, that's a, it, you know, it's, it's often talked about, but not said in maybe in as much as we need to in those terms, because if, if your work in your media and other advertising doesn't drive sales. It's, it's really not doing what you want it to do. Clearly in B2B, that's the case. Yeah. 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 Well, Rich, let's talk a little bit about your background. You've, you've, you've been at this a little bit and, and seen a few different things happen. I have uh, half my life uh, in it. I made a change <laughs> quite a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, at the time I was in uh, agriculture and in manufacturing and so on. And, the industry was really in a, a bad way. I decided to make a change and did. Yeah. And uh, moved into the media business. I had been buying some media, so I understood it to some degree. But it it uh, it loved me and I loved it yeah. nearly immediately. Fun really? business. Great business. Really? That's cool. So what did you, I mean, getting into it at that time, what did you go, wow, this is cool? I've a couple of things. I knew that uh, I had the ability to, if I did it right, uh, to bring buyer and seller together. Yeah. Um, so they could do business together. And so I knew that you had to, I had to know and understand the companies I was dealing with. Mm -hmm. And this was pre-internet. <laughs> yeah. So you really had to do some, you know, look at their brochures and look at things so that you knew uh, who they were, kind of their brick and mortar, how they, how they work, what were their products? How did they go to market? And then the best part was the proof thing. I'd you know, love to talk to some of their customers yeah. about what they saw in the company they were doing business with. Yeah, so it was, it was good. I have, I have a story years past the, the guy who was my mentor. If I, if we have about two minutes or three here, I'll tell oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Well, we, uh, with our chairman who was an incredible sales guy, uh, we went on a sales call. Yeah. trying to sell a, a, a feed and grain uh, industry guy at that time. And we went there and we, at the time we had a, a small plane flew in. I was there as the publisher. Our sales gal was there and the chairman 
The guy picks us up in his new at the time was a big old Cadillac, brand new brome. This is a small little town in Kansas we're in. Yeah. And our chairman, of course, he was a showman, but he said, hmm, I I'm really surprised here. And the guy looks over at him and kind of we drive. We're going, we're driving by various things. And he said, oh, I'm, I'm really surprised. We pull up in front of the man's business. Beautiful bit front br brick front look great and our chairman said man i'm surprised well this went on through the day and i'm not going to bore you we did the plant tour but he was always surprised the chairman was and finally the guy said john we are not going to my country club for dinner we're not doing anything until you tell me why you're surprised he said well when i started to see the little ads you ran with us i thought you were just some small little crummy company and he said you're not you are. And he, he went on about how beautiful the company was, how big they were and so on. The end of that story is we left there that day. The guy gave us a full schedule, full pages. And as far as I know, in that magazine, that was that was 35 years ago. That guy still is in business, his sons, and they still do full schedules with that magazine, which is still in in, in print as well. So. Wow. It was a great story. So they were presenting their company with little crummy ads. Yeah. Uh, branding their company, branding their products with little crummy ads. And in fact, they were a substantial company with substantial um, problem solving ability with their products. And it wasn't showing up in the print. So yeah, good story. Yeah, that, that is a great story. And that, that's one of those things that I think a lot of the, a lot of the piece, the people um, don't really understand in that because you grow up in those businesses, right? And a lot of people do that. They gr literally grow up in their business and, and they can walk out one day and they're a, a big business. Yeah. And they really don't even realize it because they're still living in, uh, this is me struggling, trying to make it, but I'm, I'm making 50 or a hundred million dollars a year in revenue now. Yeah. They don't think and, of themselves. Yes. Uh, in, in the way others might. Um, yes. You're right. Yes. I'm quite sure you're right. That's a great story, though, because I, as you were talking about that, you were talking about how you would research, research potential clients and do it. I'm thinking to myself now, people today, have, we, we really take for granted what the Internet has oh. given us as far as information at our fingertips, because what you were talking about is a significant undertaking. So if I want to find out at that company you're talking about in Kansas, anything about that company you literally have to put hands on a, a brochure, talk to somebody that's used their products or talk to somebody at the company. That's really the, or somebody that knows about them maybe, but Back, yep. Yep. Back in the day, trade shows were so valuable for that reason. Yeah. yeah. We didn't know who that we just gather everything we could pick everything and yeah. then study it and find who the target might be. So we knew something about them in order to start a conversation of any substance. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is that I, I, that thought just hit me because yeah. the, the fact of the matter is when you are doing the kind of things for them, even researching a new industry or, or, or a little bit different industry, you really had to do a lot of work just to understand yeah. the industries well enough. And, and like you said, the, the understanding, another thing that you said in your said, understanding who buys what and why. Yeah. That's a heck of a question to answer when you don't have the internet to, to yeah. look up information. That's true. And then the enlightened salesperson today, if they're really enlightened, they, they, they grasp that and they understand 
that after a while, and it, if they're bright, doesn't take that long, they know as much about the out the, the overall industry as the people they're talking to. Because while they can't drop names, they can talk to a number of companies and mm-hmm. they're gathering information. How's business? How do you go to market? What are the problems today? So now they can kind of carry that out to the industry. And if they do it right, they don't divulge names or companies. They become, they can become those individual people they're trying to sell their go-to person for industry information, mm-hmm. things that might help them run their business. And grow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this ties back into two, like the, the media that you guys are producing now, and we'll talk about that later, but I mean, keeping abreast of, uh, industries with relevant data, like from, from, um, industrial equipment news you look at manufacturing.net online just the different places that you can get this information digitally but also then in print as well but yeah a salesperson today could be an industry expert if they really worked at it not that long and not that long it's not that hard yeah they should be yeah so you've gone through a few a few what we call them transitions in the in the industry so can you talk about that a little bit? You know, we, we're sitting here at, back there and you've talked to that. You're in Kansas and you sell that great ad to that guy. And then all of a sudden, a few years later, they start talking about the Internet and, yeah. and things like that. And um, and it happened. Well, it happened kind of slowly. But during this time, that company that I worked for was sold three years later. It was sold again. Three, two and a half, three years later, it was sold again. Um, and then a final sale. So all that was going on in the noise, the incredible noise in the background. Yeah. At the same time, print was starting to slip uh, because of costs. And many thought that email, digital was the, you know, e, e-media was the way to go. And it was going to be the answer to everything. And uh, a lot of mistakes were made. A lot of companies they just keep get being sold at multiples of EBITDA until yeah. it, the debt load was too much. And even though they had a great company of great uh-huh. products and maybe great people, they couldn't service the debt because of the, you know, 10, 12 time multiples. So the, the traditional B2B media magazines and, and um, e-media is kind of, um, it's not so much a favorite son anymore in the, uh, equity or venture capital guys anymore yeah yeah Not as much anymore. The, the investors they drove the hype because they probably thought that the the electronic or digital growth was going to just skyrocket everything and yeah. and when they came down to the point that you're going to have to actually make money and and uh yeah. pay that back it was a little different yeah. story well, and it did work for some people you know, yeah google and yeah. <laughs> amazon and so yeah. on but but yeah. you think yeah you think about that it, it's really the 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 big aggregators of content, not as much as the content creators that really came out of that smelling the best. That's right. right. Yeah. It's really, it is interesting to look back at that and try to dissect, you know, the winners and the losers and why. And yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it, it's just, it, it doesn't keep me awake, but it's of a great deal of interest to me how it all evolved. It's fun to think about it. Well, it is interesting. We'll talk about a couple interesting facts, but you said something here that when these companies were going through this transition where we got, okay, now we've got this thing, e-media, digital media, whatever coming on, and we've got our print media 
and you said they they just they just didn't handle it very well because they they split them up. Yeah, they they started to treat it. They just well, many of them. It became pretty apparent they they felt like their uh, traditional content producers, their editors, magazine editors. There was just no way that they were going to be able to handle e-media at the time. Just no yeah. way. Yeah. Because it's faster. It's more concise. It's it's a lot of things that print maybe isn't. So they split up their staffs. They said, you're going to do digital and you're going to do print. They created a competitive environment uh, for content and who got what story first. And it was just, it was bad for many of the companies. And on top of that, then the, on the sales side, print was thought to not work because that was being spread around the industry. Print doesn't yeah. work. This is wonderful. And that's when all the banners and the buttons and all that crap was out there, uh, which really turned into just more sources of branding, which is yeah. fine. Branding is absolutely critical, but it wasn't getting to the, to the meat. And that was in B2B people want, they're in business to sell stuff. <laughs> our customers, yeah. our advertisers are, they don't sell stuff. They don't survive period. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is, and, and B2B media too, I think in B2B and, and this is correct me if I'm wrong here, but in, in B2B, we're really talking more about products and services where, where someone is, yes, they're concerned about price, but they're typically concerned a lot more about, Hey, is this going to do what I want it to do? Because I don't want to go out and buy a million dollar piece of equipment or, or even a, hundred thousand dollar or ten thousand dollar piece of equipment if it's not going to do exactly what i need right. to do so it's, so there's a lot more a lot more technical aspects to it i think when i think of b2b right i like to think of it especially from a say an engineer's perspective but most anybody in b2b they don't necessarily know at the time they get the magazine and i like to go back to magazine yeah that they're going to need what they see but they have a pretty good idea that when they see something, hmm, interesting idea, I'll put that back here. I'm going to try to remember it uh, because as good as the search engines are out there, you can't just go in and say, I, I want to look for something that I might need when I might need it. It doesn't work yeah. that way. Yeah. So it's, it's done a little bit differently, um, whether digital or whether print, frankly. Uh, yeah. I think it's just, yeah. it's a different dynamic. Um, you know, and we've now gotten those who are surviving understand that it really what goes around comes around. It's still about ROI. It's still yeah. about leads for people who either need it now or might need it uh, in the future. And lead times in some things, like you said, a new piece of equipment, if it's a substantial investment, capital purchase, that lead time takes it takes a long time for them to even yeah. know that it fits in. Yeah. And a lot of people have to weigh into it. You know, if it's a new product, gonna if you're going to be building a new product, sales has to weigh in. Can we sell it for what we're going to have in it? Finance says, here's what you're going to have in it. Can you mm -hmm. sell it for that? And so on it goes. And, and people in the, in the company management have to weigh in on those decisions. So it does take time in B2B. Consumer yeah. is so different um, from yeah. what we do. Yeah. So different. It is. It is. So I was curious, you've, you've been with a few different companies over the years. 
did did the companies take you traveling across the United States or was it was it pretty much located where you're at today or or a little bit oh, about no. that? Actually, it was, really, it was one company that became another company that became another company. But uh, I was consistently there, started out as a sales guy and then a publisher and then a vice president and president and so on of all of these companies yeah. until 2006, it was when I decided I want to do my own thing. So we got an equity partner and we started a company that we subsequently yeah. sold in 2013 or yeah, somewhere in there. Okay. So yes, I, these are uh, national companies. So the U S and Canada, and then some of the brands I had um, uh, Europe, especially Italy and Germany and so on. So I spent wow. in my sales years, spent a lot of time over there. Yeah. Um, you know, generating business, especially with the Italians were really good to us because of all their uh, crop equipment that yeah. th their vineyard equipment worked over here for pecan trees and so on. And um, yeah. so it was fun bringing them to this country, finding yeah. them new markets and having our dealers in that case, uh, th in this case, find new products to sell. So yeah, it was, it was fun. It really is interesting when you look at, there are so many industries in B2B. I was talking to somebody the other day about uh, street sweepers and snow products for ski uh, resorts. And you think about all this B2B stuff and you just brought that up. I mean, I grew up on a farm in South Dakota, so I understand a little bit about farming and, and uh, you know, the specialty farming equipment that I had no idea that existed growing oh. up on a farm that you talk about that for pecans or you talk about uh, the the wine industry and, and managing the vineyards. It's, it's just crazy the amount of variations and customizations and stuff that there are and these little niche markets oh. like uh, like, you know, like a street sweeper. Or, or when you look in some of the specialty construction equipment that there are, there, there's just, it's incredible the amount of, the amount of different B2B products that are available to us at any Clearly. given time. I was thinking of a, a, a company, it happens to also be in Kansas, that grew un incredibly. I mean, they were a tillage equipment manufacturer, discs yeah. and that kind of thing. Yep. They evolved. They started to have uh, flatbed trailers to carry the stuff on for the farmer and so on. Then they um, they were in spraying equipment and then they involve, evolved. They had street sweepers for a while. Suddenly, all of the, the de-icing equipment and aviation came into play and they became a major player. Wow. Uh, you know, generating new products. And of course, I, new products are typically are the lifeblood of many companies. And I yes. think of companies like Rubbermaid and WeatherTech and some of these that just keep inventing 3M yeah. is probably one of the greatest stories in, of all time. Yeah. Uh, uh, building new product off the base of understanding that you have. So I agree with you. I had no idea either, but when you would see it, you'd say, oh, now I understand it. I know why yeah. it could be evolved and work on yeah. something else. And they yeah. did it's it's so cool and i think of think of your history and being able to travel all over the world and 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 talk to these different uh b2b equipment or product manufacturers and 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 just to learn it i'm sure there were some really interesting things that you you got to look at and and help them help them promote or advertise or bring awareness about so what are a couple that really stick out in your mind and go man this is an interesting one that i it, it, i remember it well, the awareness, the awareness is the key word. Um, 
I, because of that, I saw a lot of that. And I too was born and raised on a farm in Iowa. Um, and I had a, I don't, I had an idea what farming was then. I wouldn't have a clue yeah, today with yeah, me either. I get what's going on. But um, when I, the Italians, I was able to see some of that specialty equipment they had. A lot of it was, uh, you know, we would call it lawn and garden equipment, but, you know, landscaper equipment. The big one was these mowers that had an attachment. And so it'd go along the vines and it'd bounce off and not hurt the vine, but then it'd mow the grass in between and down to the oh, next wow. one, bounce off and do that. Well, I said, you know what? This there's no reason why this won't work in Georgia on the pecan groves or in Washington State on the apple orchards. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were ready to go. They came to the states. They visited some of those places, and and lo and behold, uh, they started set up dealers selling that stuff. So it's a great story. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of the company's name now. They were in northern Italy near uh, Venice, actually. I'll come up with it. But anyway, it was fun. Uh, oh, yeah. To be able to help them just to point them in a direction. And, you know, I got to spend a whole weekend on a yacht because of it one time having, you know, lunch and wine in Italy on the weekend. It was great. <laughs> you know, it that's bad. not a bad deal if you yeah, can get it. It wasn't a bad deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I mean, because you, you, what you're talking about there is past you know, whatever you want to call it, advertising, creating uh, media, or even talking about the ROI of media, you're talking about as a producer of, of B2B media or content, whatever you want to call it, you are actually trying to help them explore new markets yeah. that, that help. And, and this is what we talk about a lot. And I hear a lot of people talking about it too, is if you make your customers successful, you will be successful. And you were practicing that very thing uh, a long time ago. And I bet yeah. it, I bet it really uh, helped to drive business success by making your customers successful. I used to listen to uh, when I would drive across the country, uh, a, a number of motivational speakers, one of which was a famous Zig Ziglar. Yep. <laughs> and old Zig had a line. He said, if you help enough people get what they want out of life, you'll get everything you want out of life. And it is about that. Yeah. And, and I yeah. kind of practiced that uh, when I would take manufacturers and try to turn the light on to some other industry. It was fun. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And it, and it, and it is sometimes it's just shining a light on a little different because we're in our, our zone. You know, we're looking in that zone. We're, we're thinking about that and things can happen off to the side that we, we don't even see. For sure. And, yeah. and we talk about relationships. I mean, the loyalty that comes out of that kind of a transaction is never forgotten. Never. You know, they will remember you and they'll continue to invest with you and did in our advertising products. That's, that's, do that. yes. It's good. Yeah. It's good. You have yeah. to do it a lot of times, but it works. Do it a lot of times. But, but <laughs> when you're out there helping people be successful, it makes you feel good. And it's, it's a good, it's a good way to do business, I think, because, you know, you're, you're, it's, it's a win-win for everyone involved. Uh, and again, it tells them that you respect them because you know and understand their business. You know who they sell to. You know how they sell it. Do they go through dealers or distribution or what? And they appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Uh, I got invited to their homes a lot and this and that. It was, yeah. it was a relationship that stood the test of time. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. So as, as we see 
media now we're turning the tides here now now people think that print media is dead or they're thinking that and it's it's not dead but what is your view on the whole kind of state of today as we talk about the, the digital quite honestly in my mind is getting like print magazines were 25 years ago when they were 30 years ago whatever it, you know <laughs> time eludes me but but when magazines were so popular there was a magazine for everything okay everything. and and now there are websites or whatever there's some sort of media for anything what do you think is kind of the correlation between the two first of all i don't think much has changed with regard to the people who would be our readers or advertisers yeah we're talking about a medium here but so and both uh i'm a magazine guy i still love magazines i love them i i love to turn the page it's a, there's a place for everything but you can kind of touch it and feel it differently Mm-hmm. We used to say the greatest place for our magazines to end up were in the company's dealer, if it was an ag dealer, in their restrooms. Yep. We'd sit there and read them. <laughs> yeah. But it was good. Yeah. So, but, so I don't see any of it has having changed. I think that a magazine is a tremendous branding vehicle. So is the website. So can be newsletters. So that it puts the name out there in the back of mine uh, for a company. And then advertising uh, goes with it. And I, I think today, as it was before, everybody, anyone who would spend money with us to advertise, it's still the case today. I mean, they want a value. Yeah. <laughs> and today it's, and it was then, all about leads. In the magazine business, you remember the old bingo card. Yeah. Had to circle numbers and stuff and send yeah. me this stuff. Um, and they did. And we would process those cards and send them the names and so on. So these companies, um, whether they ran ads with us or whether they ran a new product news release on a whatever it was they just built or were building. Yeah, yeah. Digital is the same kind of thing. Uh, they can, you know, still run. They can run an ad. We may dis- we may talk about a new product and what have you. Uh, but here, someone will click. Yeah. And, and, and of course, with digital media, that has created a whole new set of problems that we're dealing with today. Uh, things called bots and non-human traffic and spam yeah. and all the crap that goes with it. I mean, in the magazine business, nobody. Well, yeah, some kid might see the magazine circle every bingo card, every number in the bingo card because he wanted stuff, brochures and the like. But for the most part, it, that wasn't an issue today. It's a huge issue. Really? Um, it's a huge issue. Over 50% of the traffic today is non-human. Really? Yeah, at least. And that's wow. what and that's with Google telling us. And they might have a, a certain interest in trying to keep that percentage number down, you know, a little bit. Yeah. So and it's yeah. it happens not necessarily all abuse. There is spam. Yeah. There are people out there who are trying to, you know commit fraud but also our security systems that we have on our sites when when a newsletter lands let's say on your desk before it gets to you the your security filter is checking in microseconds all these links to see if it's they're legit or if it's spam well 
all of those clicks count. So you could have, Oh, so now there's, you know, if there were 15 clicks, but you're only one human. So yeah, therein is the problem. And too many now in this industry are selling clicks and click through to open rates and all of this stuff. When at the end of the day, <laughs> what they really want is a lead yeah. and they'll pay for that. Yeah. And, and then it comes back was the magazine. Yeah. It comes back to ROI again. Right. And it comes Period. and as, as we talked about earlier, I, I don't know if we were even on when we were talking about this, but, but you know, it's, it's kind of like if you're, if you're a really good digital salesperson, it, the, one of the things that I, and I'll, I'll back up a second. One of the things that I talk about with a lot of people is how does a business person really understand the ROI on digital there's a lot of different ways that people can tell you, but what is really the end game? I mean, what, what is the, the well, thing that has in, evolved to initially? Yeah, yeah. And this all started to happen. Oh, we got all these clicks. We got all this interest. We got all this. Okay. But who, <laughs> Yeah. who are they? Yeah. Well, you know, I got to do it because my competitor is doing it because everybody says Prince dead and everybody says I got to buy this stuff. And so I did. Well, now, it, they're starting to understand that it's still ROI. It's still about ROI. We're going to spend these thousands of dollars on this program that you're putting together for us. We we want to sell something, and so yeah, you know, it's a combination of the of print and newsletters, and then to help foster a, a lead program that we sell a cost per lead um, program, which gets harder and harder and harder um, because of this non-human traffic yeah and when we go down that path we're trying we're trying and we're fairly effective at it but it's a never-ending everyday problem sorting out all this stuff and so instead of saying to you gee we got you 380 leads we got 13 or 15 and so over time as they convert they find out that those 13 were really people who said yep send me some stuff yeah. It starts to it starts to sink in. So that is a tough part of the sale today, convincing them that the money they're spending to get way less than what they maybe think they should get or what others tell them to. But once they start to convert them, um, yeah. we have a loyal customer, hopefully for life. Yeah, and you you hit it a hundred percent there too, because the right salesperson can say, Well, it's about it's about leads lead flow. You get it. If I, if I can send you a hundred leads a day, would you be happy? Well, yeah, if they're good leads, well, that's not, that didn't come out of the mouth. A hundred good leads is a lot different than 10, uh, is a lot different than a hundred bad leads or 10 good leads is a lot better than a hundred bad ones. Absolutely. And And that's the hard quality. Yeah, it is. It is because, because as you said, you're trying to separate between who is real, who is, first of all, artificial or, or real human, but right. then you got to go, who is really interested and who's just fishing? That too. That and, too. So create- there are a lot of things you do. And that's why a program, I think, from needs, the more complete the program, the better they are. Yeah. Uh, now it takes more money, of course, and not everybody has that kind of a budget and so on and so forth. But in the perfect world, they would use a number of medium that we offer uh, to to keep their company out there, their products out there, and then yeah. generate leads. Yeah. Well, and really, I think I think what we've got there's a, a 
a myriad of things that play into that too. It's like understanding back, back again. And this is what's cool about what we're talking about. The ROI of, of B2B media and the ROI of media in general or anything in general is that, or it's still some of these principles stand the test of time because understanding who buys what and why and serving them the right content, uh, you know, is, is still king. It, it still is king. And that yep. content is different for the same product with different types of users, different age of users, Can different be. geographically, uh, all different kinds of uh, things affect that. And that's where the rounded programs, I think, are more effective because they're reaching the widest audience in the way they want to be targeted. Right. Or the way they want to be reached, I shouldn't say. Target. And 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 if the content is right, and it better be, yeah, they will keep coming back. Yeah, and doesn't mean they'll inquire about a product or anybody's product every time. Probably won't. But if they keep coming back, and if it's the right audience, then they will eventually. You know, they're going to go because again, we don't all know what we're going to need until we need it. Um, yeah. And if you go to the search, we all go through this. We go into search for something. And I was doing some things today. I wanted to learn about some stuff, but it, it's no longer easy. You got to go through what you pull up and look at what the dates were. I was getting stuff coming up, you know, yeah. numbers, 2010, 2006. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's old news. I had no good. I have to have 21 or 20, you know? So yeah. uh, search is great, but you have to know what you're searching for. And so you've got to still filter it. Yeah. And definitely in, in two, you made a great point there because as you get into B2B, you get into some of these niches where you go, okay, this is a specialty, whatever. Right. There's not that much data. Right. And then you have to look at, like you said, how dated is it? I don't want to see the the best CNC machine from 15 years ago. So loose. Yeah. It's, they're, they're way past that now. So right. you really have to look at those kind of things to, to make those decisions as well. And that's where um, I think too, in B2B, like I, I would, I'm just, I'm thankful. I don't, I don't do a lot of B2B, B2C kind of uh, work anymore. I don't, I don't plan that really never have that much, but uh, it's so much. And I don't want to say the word easier because it's not easier. You have opportunities in B2B to really niche down into, you know, I am that street sweeper, street sweeper manufacturer, for right. a city of 15,000 people in the northern part of the United States or right. something like that. Exactly. Because you know, we're like exactly. that. I can niche down and really target my customers a lot better. Yeah. And uh, rather than trying to, you know, I'm trying to sell Nike shoes to somebody. Man, that's a who's going to buy. You know, they're, it's they're tough. Yeah, that's <laughs> a lot different because you're trying to talk to everybody. I, I read a piece on, uh, you know, Coke and Pepsi are, you know, they're com big competitors. Yeah. And Pepsi has made some real strides lately. And I started to watch what they're doing. And, it, and you know, when Coke was cutting back, Pepsi was starting to show people enjoying tacos and a burger with Pepsi. And it hit me. It's a great, it's a great way to put that product out there and make people think about it. And now... Um, it's one of those ads I remember when I have a, but you know, so many ads, like most of them, I don't remember even who, you know, cause I don't watch much network TV anymore. There's just too much of it. Yeah. So when someone hits it with something that's right, 
I think you do remember, but consumers, I wouldn't even pretend to know how those folks uh, make those decisions. It's incredibly it's difficult. It's a lot uh, to measure that and whole different way of measuring and so on and so forth. Yeah. I see this as much easier for yeah. the reasons you just talked about. Yeah. 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 Well, and plus it's taken you around the globe at some really interesting places and, and meeting some very cool people, I'm sure. And, and uh, really, really been an experience. I'll bet there's a bunch of Pepsi guys who have probably flown in the G fives and so on. They've been around the world too. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> So you, you mentioned when we were talking earlier about some pain points, pain points and what keeps you, what, you know, what kept you awake at night over the years? Uh, well, over the years, um, budgets and so on. I mean, I, I talked to one of our editors today about the early days, the, I, when I started, there were no computers and I'm doing budgets now and I'm talking to her about <laughs> budgeting and so on. And I became very good at it, but mm -hmm. so I had to go to a trade show in Italy. I had six products at that time for our company. All my peers in the business had one magazine. I have six back in the days of the green bar printouts. So I went to Italy armed with a, you know, seven sheets of green bar for every magazine that I had. Then I had to pencil it in and then run a calculator to figure out what I was doing. And I had to do those budgets. And wow. when the trip was over, I went a few days early. Uh, so I had peace and quiet. It was really tough duty, too. We rented a uh, kind of a condo kind of a thing out in the middle of a vineyard in near Verona, Italy. So it wasn't all bad duty. But yeah, um, you had to do that with a pencil, you know, and calculator. It was unbelievable. So I would stay awake at night worrying about the budget and worrying about sales and worrying about that I was training right. But the pain points today are much more top of mind now. This whole uh, bot traffic, non-human traffic uh, could be pain number one, maybe. Um, I think social media, uh, I get on a high horse here, I, I, but it's a huge pain point for me. There's so much money wasted on social media. Um, I I guess I can say it here. I personally have killed my Facebook and yeah, everything. I uh, I just um, I just couldn't deal with it anymore. Yeah, I kind of miss it, <laughs> but I couldn't deal with it anymore. I just think social media has done. I I, I don't want to say more harm than good, but it's done a lot of harm. Yeah, to our country, um, a lot of businesses have wasted huge amounts of money. Yeah, uh, on social media. In trying to promote their business, um, other pain points I have: I ad agencies who try to buy solely on reach. You know, we go to this is our audience, and you should you should buy it. Uh, <laughs> one of them back in the day was the old PR model. We we were controlled publications, so yeah. I mean, advertising is what floated our boat. Nothing else. Yeah. Advertising. Yeah. And they would come to us and say, well, you know, this year we've decided to do PR for our clients. So we're going to be asking you to place all this product news for us. Said, well, that, that's good. Um, but uh, you understand how we work. And they, they just couldn't get through that. Yeah. You know, well, we can't run this out of the goodness of our heart. I mean, if everybody yeah. did this, we're out of business yesterday. Yeah. So exactly. that was a yesterday's kind of a pain point. 
Now, there were a lot of them. I, uh, salespeople who try to sell rather than try to build a relationship or an agency uh, that sells a client based on a relationship. And that relationship might involve, you know, martinis and steaks yeah. in, instead of ROI, uh, uh, those kind of things. One of my big one, and this is one I'll never forget, is pain point is stupid. It can't be fixed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just can't be fixed. So. There's no no reason to argue stupid. It just no. doesn't work. <laughs> the USPS is a huge pain point today. Prices just keep going up. Oh. Uh, we're spending, uh, to, to print these two magazines, combined circulation, 120000 or so, to print them and deliver them takes more money today than what revenue used to be on some of the smaller magazines I had. Yeah. Clearly, we're, we're, yeah, we're spending over half a million bucks to print these magazines six times a year and get them in the mail. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Yeah. And it, it, uh, they don't have they, uh, if you could do an analysis and say they don't pay uh, because the gross profit is, is not near what it is elsewhere. But it's our greatest tool we think here, uh, yeah. our greatest marketing tool, the, the print. Um, there, I just, I just have to feel there's always going to be a place for print in the right industries and in the right situations. Cause I think of so many businesses, like you said, uh, agricultural dealership, factories, whatever you're, you know, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. There are, you, you walk into a equipment dealership, there's, there's magazines about equipment. Yeah. You walk into a factory, there's, there's magazines around the factory. There's a magazine that's talking about automation and equipment and everything else that you can't just, you can't recreate that kind of thing. Cause there's people right. in those situations where that magazine gets picked up and looked at. Well, we think, and I think we should probably be thankful for the fact that there are way fewer today. But we really have, really have no head-to-head -head competitor anymore. Where we use, I mean, we wow. have handfuls. Yeah. Uh, because they had, you know, there was only room for you know one or two. Yeah. Um, so we just had to do it better, um, and we feel like we have. And some of them were doing it well, but they got caught up in the whole uh, debt to equity. You just couldn't survive anymore with the cost of print going up. Paper, postage, ink, uh, printers, there are fewer today and they're huge. Yeah. The margins on printing are so tight. So we need to be probably thankful that there are fewer magazines out there because we couldn't survive in an environment where, with IEN as an example, if it still had all the competitors it had of, say, uh, 20 years ago, I mean, it'd be over yesterday kind of thing yeah so that helps yeah yeah that is well it's been awesome talking to you rich because you are just a fountain of knowledge here and i just i imagine myself in your shoes a little bit vicariously you know going going through some of this this adventure because it really is an adventure when you think about uh the way that you had to research help your clients produce the media and, and everything, it would, it would scare a lot of people today because of the, un, the uncertainty and the, the work that you would have to do without really just a different type of work. 
I uh, made a little note before we came in here, and I said to myself, execution is always the key to a successful business. It's no different in B2B. If you do your homework, understand who buys what, when, why, and then serve them with content that, defined, that defines the market or helps them define the market need with an ultimate goal of favored status. If I can do for what a customer what I described to you earlier, I will eventually become, you know, a favorite media uh, arm. And um, that relationship then can grow and grow. And yeah. there's a lot of trust in that. So yeah. yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. And just just hearing and talking about these universal truths, you know, that that in the print industry, even before the print industry, they were the same as it was today. I don't care if I was a caveman selling arrows, man. It, it, you, you, it's the same thing. Yeah. We're just using different ways of communicating and, and showing people why they should, you know, why our product or, or services is the one they should choose. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be the product. A lot of products could be considered equal than service. Yeah. Might not be equal. And uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, a, lot of, it's, a lot of things. It's That's why I think business to business is... Um, if you really know and understand your market, no one understand the people in it, no one understand how the market works, you're ahead of so many today. Yeah. Take it for granted and don't understand it necessarily. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Well, Rich, it's been awesome having you on here today. I just I just feel honored to have someone like yourself <laughs> with the experience that you do and the just the because you know I I'm a B2B guy, manufacturing guy, and you, you mentioned engineering. I, I happened upon that by luck as I was trying to figure out what to go to college for because yeah. I didn't want to be on the farm. But uh, it, it uh, I really appreciate you taking the time today and sharing with today and, and showing us how the ROI of B2B media, while we might be using different mediums, we might be using different ways to reach those customers or potential customers and, and, and create that awareness and, and those things. It's basically, there's a lot of similarity. And I think as, as we go forward, it's going to be going to carry through as well. So we're all looking for a return. We're all looking for respect. Period. Yeah, (laughs) that's for sure. Well, thanks so much for being here today. Thank everyone for listening. Uh, Really happy to have Rich here on the broadcast. We will be back again later this week with another guest. So we're out for now. Thank you so much.